Welcome to the Hacking Happy Podcast. My name is Penny Lacasso and I am the world's first happiness hacker. I'm on a bold mission, a mission to teach 10 million humans how to intentionally adapt in order to future-proof happiness by 2025. Six years ago, I turned my life completely upside down in pursuit of happiness. I left a 16-year career as an executive in a global giant at the absolute top of my game. I relocated my family from Perth back to Melbourne, which is like moving from LA to New York, left an 18-year relationship and started my own purpose-driven company, HackingHappy.co. I have now spent the past six years as an entrepreneur with a deep-seated passion for learning how I can hack my own happiness and help beautiful humans just like you to do the same. I truly believe the world is suffering from happiness poverty, and I'm making absolutely no apologies in searching for a solution. In this podcast, I'll share my hacking happiness journey, my experiments, some of them crazy, my conversations with experts, and most importantly, practical hacks that enable you to let go of the things that are not serving you and lean in to more of what lights you up. But be warned, you may find it a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to challenge you that that's exactly where you need to be because growth occurs in discomfort. So if you're ready to cultivate a practice of injecting more joy into every day, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hacking Happy podcast delighted to be here with you this week. I think we're like three weeks into school holidays here in Melbourne, Australia, where I live. And uh, it's really interesting. I always find at school holidays time, I feel a little bit schizophrenic because uh, I have this amazing double life where I'm a single parent, but I have a great relationship with my ex-husband and uh, we share my son 50-50. So I have half the time where I can focus solely on my business and doing things like yoga and hiking. And then I have the other half of the time where like so many parents, I'm juggling, you know, a small person and trying to do a bit of work and trying to give them activities to do and have fun and not feel guilty about not doing enough. So I just wanted to mention that because I know there's so many parents out there that are juggling at the moment and have honestly been juggling probably for the last 12 months with lockdown and so many of us homeschooling and things like that. It's kind of like this is now normal, but it's still a challenge to try and I suppose get everything you want to get done. So I feel you. Shout out to the parents out there this week. I'm sure you're doing an amazing job. Be kind to yourself if you are trying to juggle work and children and school holidays and all that comes with that. Now, as I mentioned, I do get a bit of time to myself, which I'm really grateful for. I actually think this part-time parenting thing makes me a better parent because I get time away to think and to be and to reflect. And I spent the weekend hiking through the Yarra State Forest with my boyfriend. We did 40 kilometres in two days with 12K packs on the back. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of hard work. But you get a lot of time out in nature when we do these little adventures to just think and reflect and just observe kind of what life has thrown at you, uh, what life is throwing at you and what you're kind of dreaming about for the future. And so I thought this week I might talk about dreams. And so I've called this episode, Put a Dream in Your Drawer, and why I've called it that will become apparent as we move through. So let's today talk about dreams and 
how we all have an opportunity to turn our dreams or the things that we long for into reality. And I want to share a little story that hopefully might inspire you to put some of your dreams out into the universe in the coming week ahead. So let me share this story, right? So for those of you who are not that familiar with me or my work, you might be new to the podcast. Back in 2014, I turned my life completely upside down in pursuit of happiness. And at that time, I started my own dream business, a dream business that I didn't know what it was going to be, but a dream business in the context of bringing those things that really lit me up into the everyday and then working out what the hell that looked like. So at the time when I created this business, I had no idea what I was doing. And I want to share this completely honestly, because so many people come to me and they're like, I can't make change. I can't do this because I don't know what to do and I don't know what the plan looks like. And I want to share with you that I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I started. I had no idea where this journey was going to take me. I certainly didn't imagine that it would unlock the things and the opportunities and the magic that it has. All I knew to be true at that moment in time was kind of a couple of things that acted as a guidepost. And I'll guarantee you, no matter where you are at at the moment, You've probably got a dream and I'll bet you, you have got your own guideposts if you kind of are willing to create the space to connect in with your intuition. So this was all I knew to be true when I started. No plan, no idea, just a couple of things. I knew I wanted to positively impact the lives of others through my work. I knew I wanted to be more humanly connected and have more meaningful conversations. And I knew I wanted to live more in each moment. I wanted to be more present, more mindful, and just more aware of myself, my surroundings, and those within the environment. So they were the only things that I knew to be true. And to be honest, what I know now is that was all I needed because as long as I was stepping forward in a way that aligned to those things being more present in each day, I knew I was heading in the right direction even though I had no idea what that direction looked like. It's kind of, it's a bit of an oxymoron really, isn't it? Like it's kind of counterintuitive. What I didn't know then, yeah, was that I was leaning into a very unfamiliar and a damn uncomfortable role. And I now have a name for this role and you might've heard me share it before, but I absolutely love this role and this title. And I would encourage you if you are someone who is longing to make change to inherit it as your own. And that role, that title that I gave myself was the role of the imperfect experimenter. And basically what or how I define being an imperfect experimenter is basically it's someone who learns to let go of this need for a perfect plan when you're trying to make change or trying to do something that you absolutely have longed to do. And you actually learn to trust that uncertainty will deliver. Uncertainty will deliver growth and it will deliver unexpected opportunity. Uncertainty, if you are willing to lean into it, delivers magic. And that is the best word to describe it because what has unfolded for me in leaning into this uncertainty of the last six years is that magic is everywhere. You just need to be open to it. There are so many opportunities out there that are magical and amazing for you. You just need to be open to it. So Here's the thing. At that time, I had a dream. So six years ago, when I started this crazy journey with no idea what the hell I was doing or where I was going, I had a dream in the back of my mind. 
And that dream was that basically one day my work would be externally validated. The impact of the work that I was having on the lives of others would be externally validated by a reputable source. And so I kind of defined that dream further. And the dream was that I would write an article for the esteemed publication, the Harvard Business Review, on how basically I was helping people make their lives happier. That was kind of the dream I had in the back of my mind. And for those of you who do know me, you know, I come from a professional corporate background. That was my old life. And so the Harvard Business Review kind of for me was this pinnacle of kind of, I suppose, having made it. And not that I need the external validation, but it was about saying that my work was a decent quality because they're pretty rigorous in who they allow into their publication. My work was of a standard that was proven to have an impact and proven to be making a difference in the world. So that was my dream, to write for HBR. Now, again, here's the thing. I had no idea what that was going to look like, didn't know how it was going to happen, but I wrote that dream down and I popped it away in a drawer. That was six years ago. Now, today, what I want to do with you on this podcast is I want to share with you how this small act of writing down a crazy dream that seemed impossible at the time with no clear plan on how to make it happen, made it happen. This is not one of those bullshit overnight success stories of how I made millions and how I'm going to teach you to be the same. There's enough people out there playing in that space and it's certainly not the realm that I play in. This is a story of persistence, of experimentation that evolved into the creation of my dream business and my dream life. And so I want to shine a spotlight on the fact that you and I are not as different as perhaps you might think. It's likely, I'm guessing, that for many people listening to this podcast, it's likely that you are longing, longing for some change. It might be in your career. It might be in your relationship. It might just be in some aspect of your life. But it's also likely that the reason you're probably listening to this podcast is because you don't have the perfect plan. So you're seeking out people who have gone before you. You don't have the perfect plan to make it happen. And nor, and this is such a familiar story that I hear, nor do you have the time to work out what that perfect plan is. You're probably a very busy person. So you probably find yourself standing at what I call the intersection of happiness. And this is the space between what you long for and what you're avoiding what you're longing for and what you're avoiding. Because I believe that happiness is found at the intersection of longing and avoidance. If you long for something, it means it matters to you. And if you're avoiding it, the reason you haven't stepped into it is because there's some form of fear that sits behind it. So I'm guessing you might be, if you're listening to this podcast, at that intersection. Here's the thing. I said we weren't that dissimilar. I was once exactly where you find yourself now. But writing down that dream changed everything over the next six years of my journey. Even though I had no plan, even though I had no idea how the hell I was going to make it happen. So if you have not already kind of got the gist of where I'm going with this, I want you to attach to the idea or play with this idea that you don't have to have a perfect plan. You don't even have to have a plan for the next month to lean into 
a dream. So here's the thing. This is how my dream unfolded and how I turned it into a reality through experimentation, imperfect experimentation and leaning into uncertainty. My background in the professional world was in large-scale change. Uh, I did a lot of large-scale change management um, program. I managed the program management office, for those of you who understand what that is, a huge team of project managers. And pretty much we were managing change across a global organisation. I also had a really strong passion. I loved leading teams, but what I loved most about leading teams was helping the people that I worked with realise potential they didn't even know that they had. So I decided when I started this business with no idea, with that in the back of my mind, I knew that was what I loved doing, that I would set myself a bold mission to teach 10 million humans how to realise their happiest lives and then set about working out the how. I didn't know the how, but I knew I had some idea of the impact that I wanted to have. So then I set forth on experimenting. And so one of the first things that I did was I spent hours having coffee with over 100 random strangers and then running workshops with thousands of people around the globe as the years evolved to understand and explore what it was that was holding us back from living the lives that we longed for. Because pretty much everyone I meet is wanting to make change, wanting more in their life, not more material things, but wanting more in the context of more fulfillment, more meaning and more joy in each day. Now, I began to notice through my imperfect experimentation, a couple of consistent themes throughout the research that I did with all of these people over my journey. And this is what I discovered. First and foremost, most people longing for change are afraid. Fear is a completely normal feeling, absolutely normal. So if you feel it, know that you're not alone and know that you're completely normal. But most people longing for change who have not made it are afraid. They are afraid of failure. They are afraid of financial instability. They are afraid of the judgment of others. God, we care so much what others will think of us. And they're equally often afraid of not being good enough. Can I do this? Can I handle the outcome? Even though I know this change could potentially make me happier, can I handle the implications of making that change? The other insight that I gained through this research was that the three greatest barriers to realising a happy life seemed to be, first and foremost, distraction. And we live in a very distracted world and it's only turning up. The second barrier was fear. And the third barrier was a lack of curiosity about ourselves, about each other and about the world around us. The other thing that I came to realise was that those who allowed themselves to fully process all feelings, both the good and the bad, led happier lives. Now, that may surprise you. So what I found was that the people that led the most fulfilled and happy lives were the people who actually allowed themselves to process and explore all feelings. They didn't avoid the bad feelings. They didn't suppress them. If anything, they were curious about them as they felt that these feelings of angst, of discomfort, of fear were actually like a traffic light alerting them to something that was important in their lives, something that truly mattered, which made them lean in and process them further. These happiness hackers shared stories, yeah? They shared stories of how they were not afraid to lean into negative emotions. More often than not, they were curious about them. And as I said, they were finding that they were alerting them to things that matter. Interestingly, this concept of exploring all emotions, psychologists call it 
emo diversity. And I explore a little bit in my book, Hacking Happiness. And emo diversity is an interesting concept because it's basically the ability to experience, allow ourselves to experience the full range of emotions that we as human beings have in equal measure. And the science shows it makes us healthier. It makes us healthier to sit in the good and the bad. Because how is it? And I remember my mum saying this to me uh, when I interviewed her for the podcast a little while back. It's well worth a listen if you want to go back through previous episodes. And mum said to me she'd had a very traumatic 2020 with the significant loss of a couple of beautiful friends in horrific circumstances. And she said to me, Pen, I'm not resentful of what happened because there's no way we can experience and know happiness if we don't know pain. And I think that's a beautiful way to kind of encapsulate what I discovered about these people that live full and happy lives was that they are able to process all emotions, both good and bad, rather than avoid them. So those that lived full and happy lives had learned to let go of this need to feel happy all of the time and had accepted the ups and downs not only accepted the ups and downs, but they'd actually come to appreciate them and the opportunity that these ups and downs in our lives provided. Now, what was interesting to me was this was a mindset and behaviour shift, a shift that skilled them in leaning into uncertainty and adapting to their environment with intention and meaning. I find this fascinating because I think so many of us now, and I'm going to explore this further in next week's podcast, So many of us lead these busy lives where every waking moment is full, which means that we struggle. We really struggle with intention and meaning and being conscious in the decisions that we make on a regular basis because we're operating in overdrive. So that's what I discovered about the people who lived fulfilled and happy lives in my journey to trying to work out how the hell I was going to help others hack happiness. Now, these sort of insights were a light bulb moment for me in my journey and my little HBR, Harvard Business Review dream that I mentioned at the start of this conversation. So the biggest, I suppose, insight in bringing all of that together was that people who intentionally adapt unlock the doors to possibility and potential. I began to understand that while we may not have control over every aspect of the environment, if anything, we have very little control over our environment. We do have control over ourselves and the choices that we make. We have control over our choices, over our mindset and over our behavior. It was in this research that I did with all of these people from around the world that I was, I suppose, able to redefine happiness on my own terms. And that was another, I suppose, sort of grounding moment in this journey of trying to work out the plan and how I was gonna realize this dream business and also this dream of being published in the Harvard Business Review. So I took that insight and I redefined happiness. And this is how I now define happiness. And you'll find this on my website. I talk about it all the time. And if it resonates, I'd love to hear from you because um, it really, I suppose it really has meaning for me. And basically, I think we've been a bit misled around what happiness is. So my definition of happiness is being able to ride the wave of every emotion that life throws at us, knowing that we can come out the other side just a little better than what we were before because we have the skills, the resources and the support structure to make that happen. So that was kind of like a milestone in the journey and I kind of, it took me seriously and again, so I say no silver bullets, no overnight success stories. This has been six years in the making. It took me three years to get to a point where the dots connected and I could get that that simple paragraph down on paper and clearly articulate what happiness meant to me. Now, another pivotal moment in this journey that drove me 
to become innately curious about adaptability, this point that we got to, this definition of happiness was a pivotal moment because it made me innately curious about adaptability and the role adaptability plays yeah, in reaching a life that is in alignment to what lights you up. And um, it's funny, I, words are so interesting, but I'd never considered what adaptability meant up until this point. I'd never really explored the word. So this is where part two of my adventure and my imperfect experimentation kind of stepped in. Part two of the journey began. And like I said, we're probably at three or four years into the journey at this stage. This was a slow process and it's still evolving. I imagine that I'm going to be on this journey and evolving what I'm trying to achieve probably for the rest of my life. And I'm completely okay with that. So I wanted to now understand how I could use all of this insight from all of the research that I'd undertaken to build a methodology to help others and myself hack happiness. And like you can see, these are questions that just kept coming up. The more I learned, the more questions I had. Now, ironically, this question led me back to the Harvard Business Review. I was reading everything I could about adaptability and I came across an article in the Harvard Business Review around a concept called an adaptability quotient or an AQ. Now, this article was written in 2011 and it spoke about your AQ being more important than your EQ or your IQ in the context of the future. It was the new competitive advantage because the world was evolving at such speed and there was so much uncertainty that those who could not adapt would be left behind. Now, I could see connections forming. This article made a hell of a lot of sense to me. But the more I researched the adaptability quotient and the academic papers that were around adaptability, the more I realised that the lens at which adaptability had been researched was focused on workplaces? How do we help workers adapt? How do we help them uh, be more adaptable so that they can be more productive and of more benefit to the organisation? That was not what I was trying to achieve. I actually think we don't need to milk the cow any further. I actually think we need to teach employees actually how to create more space, which I'll step into in a moment. So as the dots started to connect around this concept of adaptability and adaptability quotient, and the connections started to form, I decided to take it one step further, yeah? I observed in all of my work and everything that I was seeing that we are great at adapting as human beings. It's what's kept us alive, yeah? It's, we're great at adapting when change is imposed on us, when the external environment forces us to change, right? So take, for example, how we've adapted to COVID and lockdowns. We've adapted because we've been forced to. We've had no choice and we've done it well, but we've had to adapt, okay? That's a great skill, this forced adaptability. It's what's kept us alive. It's a great skill for survival, but it's not ideal for thriving. And thriving is what I think most of us are longing for. We don't want to just survive anymore. We want to thrive. So how do you learn to thrive? This was kind of where the research took me. You thrive through self-motivated, proactive adaptation, otherwise known as self-disruption that is focused on growth and a life aligned to what gives us meaning. So it was out of all of this insight that in 2018, right, so I started my journey in 2014, it took me till 2018 to work this out. Yeah, And I'm not ashamed of that because the journey has been magical and I wouldn't be where I am had it not have taken that time. So in 2018, I developed a prototype for learning how to hack one's happiness. And I called it off the back of everything I'd read, 
I called it an intentional adaptability quotient. Now, I gave it a definition, okay? So intentional adaptability quotient, I thought I've got to give this a definition because I need to be able to explain how it works to other people and what it means to them. So intentional adaptability quotient, I created an acronym, IAQ. Basically what it means is your IAQ is the measure of how skilled you are at making intentional change in a complex and uncertain environment that is evolving at speed, which is pretty much life as we know it. Now, what's interesting about this concept that I created is that it's not about squeezing more into an already full day. I don't think any of us need any more nowadays. Most of us are already over capacity. It's about eliminating the noise and creating the space to bring meaning to the forefront of the choices that you make and how you choose to adapt in the environment around you. Now, once I had a clear definition, I set about building an IAQ model to articulate the skills I felt that were foundational to focus on in order to turn the dial up on someone's intentional adaptability quotient. And so these are the three skills that I identified through all of my research and work that are the foundations of building your intentional adaptability quotient. And I'm really interested to see whether these resonate. So the first skill that we teach when we help someone amp up their IAQ is focus. I teach people how to focus in a world that is now designed to distract them, how to create the space to be, to let your brain recharge and to think and reflect because that is how we make progress. That is how we make our best decisions when our brain is energized and has the space to connect the dots. The second skill after we teach focus is courage. I teach people how to use fear and failure to shape the change they want in their lives and in the world around them. And then the third skill of intentional adaptability is curiosity. Curiosity is an innately human skill, but unfortunately through the constructs that we push ourselves through and conformity, our curiosity for many of us gets diminished over time. And so we teach curiosity as a state of being, a way of showing up in the everyday. I teach people how to ask curious questions, how to ask more questions than make statements or opinions in meetings, and how to be curious about themselves, about other humans, and about the world around them. So they are the three key skills that I defined in the IAQ model. Now, IAQ, your intentional adaptability quotient, it seeks to reprioritize the importance of being in order to unlock human potential and more joy in each day. So there you have it. I had a definition for how I was going to help others hack their happiness. I had a model to focus on skill development and now all I needed was a way to measure where people were at in their intentional adaptability journey. Yeah, Because the outcome, the more intentionally adaptable we are, the outcome is happiness. The more we enjoy and feel fulfilled in our lives. And so this is where, enter, the Hacking Happiness Assessment was born. Now, some of you listening may have already taken this free assessment that I offer online. We've had, I think, over 680 people take it in the last three months. Like, it's crazy the response that we've had to this assessment. Now, this assessment was basically a set of psychometrically validated questions centered around holding the mirror up to your mindset and behaviors in relation to those intentional adaptability skills of focus, courage, and curiosity. And the point of that was to help people understand where they were at and where their opportunities for growth lied and opportunities to align their life to more of the things they long for, to make 
more of the change that they want to make and to experience more happiness in each day. The hacking happiness methodology I'd created provided me with the basis to experiment. And those experiments were undertaken with some amazing organisations that were happy to be a part of my crazy journey. KPMG, Microsoft, Mercer, Deloitte, NAB, National Australia Bank here in Australia, and even a grammar school here in Melbourne were willing to indulge and experiment in this concept of intentional adaptability because it resonated so strongly. It took me six years to get to this point. So it's a long story, but I think it's worth sharing. Six years to get to this point. No perfect plan, no idea what I was doing, but I have absolutely no regrets in the time that it took me, the fact that I had no idea what I was doing because it was in the imperfect experimentation that the next thing happened. And so... In September last year, I opened my LinkedIn messages and there it was, a message from the editor of the Harvard Business Review, inviting me to write about my hacking happiness research and methodology. The dream, I get goosebumps, <laughs> the dream came true. Again, six years in the making from that moment, I had no idea what I was doing to put that dream in the drawer. I'll pop a link below to the article, but this week the dream was realised. And so as this as I record this podcast, my first article in collaboration with the Harvard Business Review is being now shared on the internet far and wide with the Harvard Business Review brand on it. So I will share it in the show notes for those of you who want to read it. I would love to hear what you think of the article. It has been a huge piece of work that has been uh, worked on for four months. It's probably the article that I have spent the most time on in any article that I've written for any publication, and I'm extremely proud of it. So now, now it's time perhaps for me to put a new dream in the drawer. And I've been thinking a lot about what those dreams are, and there's probably two, and I'm going to share them now because I fundamentally believe that when you put your dreams out into the universe, you start to realise the magic of moving closer to them. One is to live in a place where the ocean meets the bush. And the second dream that I have is to create a sustainable online business that serves millions around the world in leveraging the intentional adaptability work methodology and helping them hack their happiness so they can live more fulfilled and joyous lives. So now I've told you what dream I'm going to put in the drawer, I want to challenge you to put your own dream in a drawer. It's the start of the year. It's almost, it feels like a new beginning. What better time to allow your dreams to be set free into the universe? And whilst dreams take time, persistence and experimentation to realise, it starts with a simple intention. The how and the adaptation, as I've shared through my story, that comes afterwards, yeah? That comes afterwards all in due course. Too often we hold back our dreams because we don't know the how. We don't know where we need to go or what it's going to look like and that makes us feel uncomfortable and uncertain. I'm telling you, it's not a reason not to take action because if there's anything I have learned from my journey and the journeys I have helped others get on or go through as part of their own hacking happiness experience, it's that action breeds clarity. You will stuff up, you will make mistakes, and that is exactly what you need to do to be able to learn, expand and evolve and enable that dream to happen. So once you're finished listening, here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to grab a pen and paper and write down a dream you have. Something you have longed to do but avoided. Clearly state the dream on a piece of paper. I want you to write down, even close your eyes for a couple of moments and then write down what it will look and feel like for you when that dream is achieved. The clearer you can be in the feeling 
and how it looks, visualizing it in your mind's eye, the better, because that paints a picture in your mind that will register in your subconscious, which is exactly what happened to me. Once you've written that dream down, I want you to pop it in an envelope and address it to yourself. Put it in your drawer and allow it to marinate for a year or maybe a few. Then I would challenge you if you haven't already, or even go back to it because it's a great way to reconnect with where your opportunities for growth lie. I would encourage you then to take the Hacking Happiness Assessment and I'll pop the link again in the show notes, hackinghappyassessment.com to understand how you can start to move closer to where this dream is. I do the assessment nearly every quarter and I find it extremely helpful even though I created the assessment with an org psych company. When you're done, if you decide to take on this challenge of putting your dreams away, assessing your opportunities and where you can start to move closer to this dream of yours, drop into my DMs on either Facebook or Instagram and share your dream with me. I would love to hear your dreams. And again, putting them out in the universe in some amazing way makes them more likely to happen. I firmly believe that. I'm extremely excited to hear where you land. So please feel free to reach out and tell me. Now, I will place all of the links in the show notes to the article for the dream that has been realized for me this week with Harvard Business Review, a link to the assessment if you want to jump in and take that. I'll also share some more information around the intentional adaptability quotient if you're interested in exploring that further. And lastly, I want to encourage you to join me on next week's podcast where we start to actually build our skill in focus. The first pillar of intentional or building your intentional adaptability quotient. Yeah. So we are going to hone in on how to create the time and the space for your dreams to be progressed into reality. Because so many people tell me they have a dream, but they don't have the time to make it happen. So I want to support you and give you as much value and insight as I can to help you create the space to get started. But until then, I'm going to say happiness looks good on you. Have a beautiful rest of the week and I look forward to sharing a conversation again on next week's podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Hacking Happy Podcast. If there was something that ignited a flame or sparked a thought within you from this conversation, please take a screenshot and share it on your preferred social media platform. Feel free to tag me in Hacking Happy Co or Penny Lacalso. Reviews are so important to reaching my goal of making 10 million beautiful humans just like yourself happier. So if you enjoyed your listen, please take a moment, leave a review and a rating on your preferred podcast listening platform. Until the next episode, remember, happiness looks good on you. Bye for now.